Good morning and welcome. Oops, that was the recording of me. <laughs> um, this is Cindy McGurl for Uncle Paul's Jazz Closet, your local radio show about jazz drummer Paul Modian um, here on March 2nd, I believe. Yes, I wasn't sure if it was the third or the second. Um, so this is a show about jazz drummer Paul Modian, and um, he inspired music, he played music, and he was inspired by music, and we cover all three bases. Um, I want to thank my sponsors for the show, which include the Dowling Walsh Gallery and Curator in Rockland and um, Rockport Automotive in Rockport. And um, today's show is an interview show, which is always fun. And I'm going to call uh, flutist Cheryl Pyle. And she lives in New York City and has been there, um, I believe, since about 1980. And she, before that, she was out on the West Coast in California, um, going to school and playing music and teaching. And she plays um, she plays a lot of jazz, but I think she also um, works in the classical genre too. We'll have to ask her about that. Um, but she played with Paul Modian on um, a few of Tom Harrell's albums, and um, and these were like through the '80s and into the early '90s. And um, and then I think she played with him live, too, in New York, but I'm not sure about that. I'm going to ask her about it. So we've got that music, and then um, she sent me some of her new music, too, and she plays around New York City um, very steadily, it looks like. And um, so it should be an interesting show. So stay tuned um, for her. I'm going to call her up on the phone. Um, but we're going to start with a cut from Tom Harrell's album, Passages. So this album came out in 1992 on Chesky Records, and it features Tom Harrell on trumpet and flugelhorn, Joe Lovano on tenor, soprano, and alto saxophones, Daniello Perez on piano, Peter Washington on bass, Paul Modian on drums, Cafe on Percussion, and Cheryl Pyle on Flute on um, two of the cuts. So we're going to start out with um, a Goodbye Wave. And which Cheryl plays. Just going to get to the right thing here. Okay. And um, so... Have a listen, and then I'll be back with Cheryl on the line.
Okay, uh, welcome back to Uncle Paul's Jazz Closet. Um, so you just heard the tune, A Goodbye Wave, from Tom Harrell's album, Passages. And um, I have on the line Cheryl Pyle, who plays flute on that tune. Are you there, Cheryl? Yes. Hi, Cindy. Okay, hi. Um, you sound a little bit soft. I'm not sure if that's me or... Can you... Um... I'll try and speak louder. Okay, yeah, that's better. That's better. Okay. Um, yeah, so we've we've been in touch for a while. I think we've been friends on Facebook and uh, been wanting to have you on the show. Um, and so I'm excited that we finally made it happen. So <laughs> welcome. Thank you. Yeah, so um, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background um, for our listeners. I, I read um, a bi- biography, and so it sounds like um, you were a student of jazz at Berkeley, UC Berkeley? Yeah, I started um, playing flute in 72, and I was down in San Diego and started studying. Um, I went to Mesa College for a couple years, and then I transferred up to UC Berkeley. Um, that was a pretty traditional music department, pretty classical, but I had I really hadn't been playing that long, so it was really good for me to get that background. But at student um, activities, they had a big band, and this guy, David Tucker, was running the big band. And uh, a lot of the saxophone players couldn't double, so he let me in the big band, and I got to play all the flute parts, which was really amazing to to do that. And there were some great people in that band when I was in college. Um, Susan Muscarello, who runs the jazz school, the conservatory in Berkeley now um, she was playing piano and um, it was just a really great time I was really learning a lot and um, got that kind of broad background he was also doing some jazz festivals with us so we got to play with all the CTI guys we got to play with Freddie Hubbard and Hubert Laws and Sonny Rollins and it was really some wonderful experiences out there and then um, I was hearing a lot of jazz at Keystone Corner, and so in 1980, in August, I moved out here, and, um, and I'm still here playing and just um, you know, working on jazz. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Um, so how did you first um, sort of get involved with um, Tom Harrell and Paul Modian and Sort of that we you were talking a little bit about you know the people that hung out from like Charlie Hayden's um, Liberation Music Orchestra to um, you know Paul Modian's Electric Bebop Band and um, do you remember how you met them just from going to gigs or well um, Tom did a, a gig at the Vanguard and um, it was around the time we recorded Sail Away, and that was, I think, um, 80, it was recorded in, I have that CD here, in 89. So I had met Tom at when I did my first gig at Jazz Forum, and I had gone to check out the Lost Club the week before, and he was there with Bob Berg, so I, I had met him then, that was 81. But um, in 89, when he played at the Vanguard, um, Joe Lovano was on that, and um, I think that he had just started playing with Phil Woods or had been playing for a couple years with Phil Woods. So um, 
they were also um, doing the Charlie Hayden Music Liberation Orchestra, and they were playing every New Year's Eve at the Vanguard. So it was just a lot of musicians in in, in the village area um, hanging out, and so I was always down there listening to them and um, doing some business calls for Tom for the session around Sail Away. Um. And um, you said you had a story about this. Now, Passages was the last recording that you did together um, in 1992. Right. Um, you said that it, was, it wasn't a very pleasant experience? Or... Not, not really. <laughs> yeah, the, the, most, the most memorable is the second one I was able to play with them, um, which we did at A&R Studio, and, and it's a great studio that used to be on west 48th street and um that was form and then some of the tracks for that were put on a compilation a year later on contemporary which was the visions um cd so there's just one track from the form session on that um called i don't know but the form session was was really amazing um for me because i mean it was my 38th birthday and and Jim Anderson was the engineer, and the studio was just so amazing. Um, and the sound Jim got on the flute was just unbelievable. It was so beautiful. Um, there's just something that some engineers do with reverb on the flute that just, it was just soaring. But anyway, I was in this little booth, and it was my birthday, and I was thinking, what am I doing with these jazz giants here, you know? <laughs> and... um and I just looked over, and Charlie was in the corner, and Paul was to the left of him. And I I call it on a cloud of Paul motion. I mean, I just felt like there was so much support from these musicians that wherever I improvised, it was kind of a more free tune. And we did a longer take, and they just, they, they just went with me, and it was just, it was so amazing. I felt like... Paul lifted me out of my little booth seat, you know, it was just, I was sort of floating on a cloud of his percussion sound. So uh, that was, that was really a, a beautiful birthday present for me from Paul. So is that the tune, um, January Spring? That is, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and that still kind of sticks in my memory. Um, I think we had a rehearsal there, but I, I kind of was so nervous. I remember sitting with Ruth, uh, Charlie Hayden's wife, and just trying to stay as focused as possible. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so let's, I think we should play that. It's a little, it's a little bit, it's a 12-minute song. Um, it is, and, but and they didn't want to put the long take on there, but um, luckily, you know, I, I kind of asked Tom if we could do that, and, and um, it ended up you know, really being a most special tune, and and Leonard Feather wrote a review about it, and he really focused on that because it was kind of more a, a more free uh, sounding tune that Tom had had done, more a little bit different than mostly the straight ahead things he'd recorded before. Uh huh. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, we that's the great thing about community radio here is that I can. I've played some really long songs on here, 40 minutes, an hour. Wow. <laughs> you can do whatever you want. That's great. So, um, yeah, so if you just hang on, um, and, um, and so this is January Spring.
seem to have a little echo here. Um, we're back with floated. Uh, is it flutist or flautist, Cheryl? How do it's, you? Either either way. Either way, there isn't a preference. Okay. Uh, I think one is the European pronunciation. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, yeah, I feel like I, I sometimes I mispronounce words. It's sort of a weird family trait. <laughs> um, so that was um, January Spring from Tom Harrell's album Form. And um, Cheryl Pyle is on flute on that. And uh, Tom. And that that was also um, Daniela Perez's, I think, first recording. He was 23 at that time. I remember um, we had a rehearsal. I forget where it was, but we took the bus down from Midtown together. And um, I think it was a real thrill for both of us to be playing these tunes at that time. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it's uh, Charlie Hayden on bass and Paul Modian on drums and... Uh, Joe Lovano on tenor saxophone, and uh, Tom on trumpet. And um, so you said, um, yeah, it was unusual for a woman to be in a jazz band at that time. Um, I yeah, I, I I really I just love the music so much. But um, even when I was in college, I mean, I learned a lot from Susan Mascarella, but um, there weren't just a lot of women you know visible i mean joanne burkeen was playing with um art blakey and um i heard barbara donald playing trumpet out in san francisco but it was still kind of i i was still kind of i felt a little bit on the sidelines you know <laughs> so um i felt really lucky to be able to record some of this music and i i really love the arrangements tom did with the trumpet and saxophone and flute. It was. It's a beautiful combination, and I still really love that sound to this day. And just um, the the colors that Paul added on percussion was just pretty beautiful, you know. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, you don't. I mean, you just you don't hear the flute that much on jazz. Not, um, and it, it is a really nice sound. And um, but you seem to have a lot of work um, playing now so do you think that things have opened up a little more for women in jazz i i do yeah 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 i mean at i'm 65 now so it's it's been a long road you know but i think um you know a, a lot of the younger women playing now they're really great strong players and um they're being included in lots of different situations and i think that makes the music stronger you know to include all kinds of different people and different you know the way different people play um, makes you know makes the music stronger. Yeah, and um, do you think though, like, do you think when you first were started playing, do you think it was a, a conscious thing to exclude women? Or I, I remember I, I talked to Paul. I talked to Paul once about the lack of women in jazz. You know, because it didn't seem like there were that many, and you know he's he said he thought they were a lot of strong players um but i remember one conversation we had um about um a pianist um who was gay and and how paul was saying that he had to like hide that because it was a real macho scene in the jazz clubs like um 
among the players, among the jazz yeah, players? I, do you, do I you... think so. I mean, everyone, everyone was really nice, but they wouldn't really call you for gigs. And and I I know who that is because he's the first one of the first musicians I met in New York, and it was Fred Hirsch. I met him at Bradley's, and and uh, he played my first gig with me at Jazz Forum. Uh, him and Ron McClure and Billy Hart, but Fred um, hid that that he was gay for a long time because, yeah. you know, it, it was it was not acceptable. I mean, even in the 80s and early 90s, it was just, you know, you just didn't, you know, reveal that. And I mean, just being a woman, there really isn't anything, you can't really hide that. So you're just, I felt kind of um, stuck out and invisible at the same time. <laughs> and, um, and that's why I pretty much, even to this day, just uh, continue on and do my own thing, because um, just some people are not going to include you. But I think it's gotten a lot better. Yeah, um, yeah. You do just have to keep, just keep on doing what you love, and um, you know, and you've built up your skill to an incredible level. Um, you know, with so many years of playing, and um, yeah, developed your own sound. Um, so what should we play next? Well, um, the other tune I don't know was actually from this session, and Contemporary Records put it on a compilation with a lot of different tunes. Um, there was some of it was from Sail Away with Tom and Joe and James Williams. Um, we did one tune on Sail Away. Just uh, Tom was flute, flute and trumpet and piano and guitar with John Abercrombie, but um, they put one of the tunes on this compilation, Visions, and that came out in um, 90, I have it here, 91, so if you want to play I Don't Know, that's with Tom and Joe and myself and Danilo and Charlie and Paul again, uh, uh, the same session as Farm Form. Okay, um, yeah, why don't we put that on and then when we come back, um, you said I think you have another story. <laughs> that you can tell us. I do. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so this is I Don't Know.
Yeah, the sound on that is uh, really lovely. That was uh, I Don't Know from Visions. Um, so did Tom Harrell write that song? That's also one of his tunes, yeah. And um, at that time I was writing a lot of lyrics for him and Fred Hirsch and some other um, musicians. And um, actually Joe Lovano's wife, Judy Silvano, recorded this um, with lyrics on her first CD. So a lot of these tunes, uh, actually most of these tunes during that time have have lyrics to them um, because I was doing a lot of writing um, for these melodies at that time. So do you um, do you compose your own music as well? I do. I still yeah. compose, and uh, at this at this time in the in the eighties and nineties, um, I was doing more straight ahead um, tunes. But in two thousand ten, I had a little skin cancer on my lip, and um, kind of uh, shocked me into some other realms. You know, I didn't know if I could still play flute but I am <laughs> and um, I just uh, I started doing some free improvisation um, with another flute friend of mine Nick Gianni down at ABC No Rio they had this free jazz thing every Sunday and that kind of uh, took me in another direction so um, lately I've been composing kind of um, I call them two nets because they're I kind of wanted to get away from all these complicated changes and forms and you know, things that you had to have 10 rehearsals and nobody understood anything, you know. Uh-huh. Um, and so I've just been writing these little melodies and, and we improvise off of them. I, I just did one for the the current um, situation we're having now. I call it Tweet Storm. So I've just been kind of doing things like that. And, and I have a, a small kind of chamber group um, that we've been playing. It's with two flutes and bassoon and soprano sax. So... I've been trying some different groups with different sounds, you know, not the traditional instrumentation. So do you have, um, you were going to tell us a story about um, the recording, um, this maybe the first recording of called Form? Is that the, what, the one the story relates to? Um, the first one is actually um, the one I did with Tom was Sail Away, but that doesn't have any drums on it. Um, that's with the tune Dancing Trees. It's just a quartet uh-huh. with trumpet and flute and piano and guitar um, with Tom and James Williams and John Abercrombie. But the final um, uh, CD that I did with them was Passages, and that was a Chesky recording. It wasn't contemporary. And we did it at um, RCA BMG in Midtown, and we did it in this huge sound stage. So um, we we rehearsed at Joe's uh, apartment. He, him and Judy used to live on 23rd Street, and so we were rehearsing there. And I just remember Paul saying, "Well, Tommy finally wrote some tunes in 4/4." So he was, you know, always kidding him about that, and uh, that kind of stuck in my mind. But but this recording was really tense because this room was huge. It was for um, like an orchestra doing a, a movie soundtrack. You know, it's just like this football field of a room. <laughs> Not really good for for a small jazz group. Uh-huh. And and Danilo was over in one corner. And at one point, they wanted to put me on top of this table. Like they sat a chair on top of this table in the middle of the room, and they wanted me to record from there. And I said, you know, I can't 
I'm afraid I'm going to fall off, you know. And so then they put Tom there. And, I mean, Joe has memories of this session, too. It was kind of a nightmare. Um, and it, it, there, for me, it was really tense because I was in this green room, um, and they had on the, this, the TV, and everyone was watching the Anita Hill hearings, um, the Clarence Thomas for Supreme Court uh-huh. hearings. So there was all this kind of, you know, um, feminist, you know, backlash about her, and I was the only woman there, and there were these seven young guys in the booth, and I, this room was huge, you know, <laughs> it was, it was just so uncomfortable. But um, we we persevered, and you know, I think there was some music out of that session, but it was uh, it was a pretty tense recording session for me. And those are the pictures I sent you. I had my my Kodak Instamatic, and I actually took some pictures at that session. Yeah, I'm going to um, post those when I um, put up the podcast for this show, if you don't mind. Um, oh, yeah, that's fine. I mean, yeah. I w- we, didn't, we never took pictures or did video or any. We never documented, you know, anything back then. But um, for some reason, I, I had my camera with me at that time, so... Yeah, um, I got a few pictures of Joe and Paul and, and Danilo. Yeah, yeah, those look fun. Um, so um, we have to take a little break at the top of the hour, and um, so um, maybe we could we could do this tweet storm that you said that's a, a new tune that you just wrote recently. Yeah, that one's uh, fairly new, um, a newer group. And um, I don't know if you want to play Dancing Trees, which is from the very first session that I did. Um, that's that's the oldest one. Um, we don't quite have enough time to the top of the hour for that one. Um, okay. So um, we could come back to it later if we have time after um, we hear the uh, announcement. So... Um, yeah, so who else is in the trio with you on TweetStorm? That's uh, Michael Eaton on soprano and um, Reggie Sylvester on drums. Um, and do you want to tell, say anything else about that? or? Yeah. Um, it's it's uh, one group I've been doing recently. I've been trying to do an all-women uh, free jazz group, and then I do another uh group called the Beyond Group, which I started with Burn Nix, and we played quite a bit of duos. Um, he played a lot with Ornette Coleman. And, um, oh, yeah, I've had, really... yeah I, I've had a show about him. He played with Paul a little, too. Um, okay, yeah. so we've got just enough time for Tweet Storm, and then stay tuned, and we'll be back with um, Cheryl Pyle after the top of the hour.
Okay, well, welcome back to the second hour of Uncle Paul's Jazz Closet. This is your host, Cindy McGurl, and I want to thank my sponsors, the, um, camp, the Rockport Automotive in Rockport, the Curator and Dowling Walsh Galleries in Rockland. And if you're just tuning in, today's show, Uncle Paul's Jazz Closet, is about uh, flutist Cheryl Pyle um, from New York City. She's uh, here on the line. She's um, been playing jazz in New York City since 1980. And uh, have you had the same apartment all that time, Cheryl, or have you moved I, around? I have. Um, you have? I've, I found this, um, you know, in 81 um, through some musicians uh, that I met at Bradley's, actually. But there are a lot of us, you know, moving here from San Francisco at that time. And uh, a drummer friend of mine and a piano player and um, my other friend, Jane Gatter, moved upstairs. We all moved in. Um, we bought the building from the city in 81. So, um, you know, I'm still here <laughs> in, the, in the village. But um, when I first came to, to this area, there were just musicians everywhere. It was a really wonderful time to be here. Yeah. Oh, that's great that you own the building so you don't... Uh, I, I was assuming it was one of those coveted rent control apartments like Paul had. <laughs> well, um, we're trying to we're trying to keep our maintenance low, but we you know we're a co-op and we run it ourselves and vote on stuff. And um, I'm I'm pretty happy to be here. I mean, it's home. It's just a small apartment, but um, my first apartment uh, I had met some of the guys with Horace Silver's band out at Keystone Corner and. Um, Harold White had an illegal sublet on 13th Street, so I sublet the other room and um, stayed there for a while. And then I found this place, and I, I was really glad because I was kind of moving around to CD hotels. And um, I stayed with uh, Chuck Metcalf's ex-wife on 14th Street for a while, but she she introduced me to a lot of musicians and took me around to all the clubs, um, Vanguard and Fat Tuesdays, and and everyone was hanging out at Bradley's all night. So there was a lot of talking going on at that time, no typing. <laughs> um, I always say that Facebook now is the Bradley's of the, the new millennium. But um, <laughs> I had been playing at this place on 13th Street a lot um, called Detour and um, with Ben Wander, and he, he had been playing with Paul in the electric bebop band. So I heard them quite a few times at the Vanguard. And yeah. Um, I think he had Kurt Rosenwinkel and Wolfgang Spill on, on his CD, the CD that I have, um, Reincarnation of a Lovebird, which is, I think, 71 or 81. Um, but um, but I heard Ben, you know, they were all playing at the Vanguard at that time, so um, that was like 94 or something like that, 95. Yeah. Yeah, that, the bebop band was always changing depending on who was around, who was, who was available, and um, yeah, the reincarnation of a lovebird is one of my favorite CDs of theirs. Um, Me too, and I've been listening to Paul. I mean, I was listening to him in college, the you know Waltz or Debbie, the Bill Evans thing. So, getting to record with them, you know, it's just such an amazing thing for me. Yeah. I always think of Paul as being. Um, you know, when he recorded and played, he just was, um, he was just very open to, 
um, playing with uh, many different people, always sort of um, the way he talked about it. He was just always eager to see, you know, what that would be like and if it would, what kind of thing it would be. And like if, um, uh, yeah, he was always searching in, in, a, in a happy <laughs> kind of way, which I think some people are always searching, but they're kind of negative, you know. <laughs> yeah, I felt that from him, you know, and and I feel that way too, that I always have these kind of, like when I wake up, I think, Wow, it would be. Re- I wonder what a band with those people would sound like. And I used to just call these like weird combinations of people because I just really wanted to hear how they would all play together. You know, yeah. <laughs> when sometimes it came out really amazing, and you know, sometimes not. But um, it's really good to explore those sound different sounds with different people. Yeah, yeah. I took my daughter to visit Paul, and yeah, she was maybe five or six, and. Um, and she um, was playing around on his piano, and she had had no music lessons or anything. And um, and just the the way he zoomed in on <laughs> what she was doing, he was like really like into it. Like he was just like so interested in what she was gonna come up with. And um, and then you know he sat down and they kind of played together, and uh, yeah, it was really fun. And um, but I, I was kind of, at, at first, I was a little taken aback that he, you know, uh, at his curiosity about what a five-year-old, you know, what, because uh, that is the thing, you know, what what would a five-year-old do who's, you know, <laughs> at the piano who has hardly ever been at one before, you know? Well, I so, think that's really important. And, yeah. And, I mean, I think uh, as adults, I mean, if if you're creative and you're trying to explore more, you want to hold on to that childlike kind of thing, that openness of just not falling back on everything you know you should be playing and, and push it a little bit further, you know, to some other sounds. But, I mean, kids are really amazing with with that. You know, they, they don't have that ego in the way to stop them. Yeah. And um. Paul was really, I, I think, he, he had that childlike thing, at least all the times I ever heard him or, or was in the room yeah. you know, with him. Um, I got that feeling that, you know, he was always exploring. Yeah. It's, real, it's really, that's when music is really the most fun, you know, too. Yeah, I think, I think so. I, um, so tell us a little bit about, um, you were, before the top of the hour, you were saying you have a group that's all women um, that you play with. Yeah, I mean, when I first came here, um, I mean, I did meet Ellen Sealing and Jamie Feinberg. They were doing a band, but and and um, Kobe Narita was doing a women's jazz festival, but it was kind of like a you know specialty thing. I felt like, but um, I I heard I saw this movie on free jazz, and there wasn't one single woman you know mentioned. So I decided a couple years ago that I was going to start an all woman free jazz group and. Um, Kim Clark um, kind of organizes Lady Got Chops Festival where she does like all women groups in March for Women's History Month. And so I've been doing that with her. Um, I This year I'm doing kind of a more expanded group. Um, but last year I did it with Judy Silvano and Jamie Baum and Claire de Bruner. So that was two flutes, voice, and bassoon. Mm-hmm. And this year we're doing it um, voice, bassoon, viola, and three flutes, 
um, with Haruna Fukasawa and um, Gwen Lester and Jamie Baum and Claire De Bruner and myself. So that should be a really nice gig. And then um, Abby Lincoln um, Crawford is doing a woman composer's concert this month too. Um, so I'm going to do that with Roberta Pickett on piano and Claire De Bruner on bassoon. So that'll be really nice. Um, Roberta has played in kind of my expanded Beyond group, which I started with Burn Nicks. And for a while, um, we were getting bigger and bigger, and we had a conductor, um, my friend Carmen Moore, who used to hang out with Ornette Coleman, was conducting us, and that was really nice. But unfortunately, um, Burn died in 2017, so I've been kind of trying to keep that group going. Um, but I mostly do it with two flutes and bassoon and soprano sax. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think you do, uh, maybe you can um, send me a link to, you think you have a web page that has different, um, lists different gigs that you're playing on. Um, I could put a link to that if people want to check it out. Um, do you pretty much stay in New York City to I play? Do. Yeah, yeah, I pretty much stay close to home. I mean, I kind of retired from part-time jobs last May, so I've just been kind of uh, playing in the garden in the East Village, the 6BC Botanical Garden, and at the library I do, um, in the fall, I do a howling for Jeremy Steig where I um, collect all the jazz flute players I've met in New York to come and play a solo piece um, that they're improvising or that they've composed, and so it's really nice to see all the flutists. and. So I've just been kind of trying to stay around the neighborhood um, lately. Yeah. Um, I've been doing Patrick Brennan's uh, big band. It's a free jazz band. And Matt Lavelle's 12 Houses, which is a free jazz band. And we just played at Joe's Pub with Bernard Purdy, which was a real thrill. I've, I've been so lucky to play with great drummers. I mean, my first gig was with Billy Hart here. And, and then to get to play and record with Paul was just a real thrill for me yeah that's nice um so what tune should we play do you have was one of these tunes with your all one of your all-female groups or that you sent to me um i have to look at your set list but if if you want to do the last um tom harrell one that's called dancing trees from the 89 oh okay yeah um Whatever you prefer, Cindy, is fine with me. Um, well, I, I, I'm not exactly sure who's playing on some of the tunes. So. Oh, okay. I'm just going to look at your yeah. um, But we can, let's go into the Dancing Trees. So this one you said is um, is Tom and you and, um, and piano. Is that what you said? Yeah, it's um, one of Tom's tunes. He's on trumpet and flugelhorn. Uh, James Williams on piano, and John Abercrombie on guitar, and myself on flute. Okay. And we did that at A&R Studios in 89, so that was the first time I got to do a session with them. Um, it was also produced by Bill Goodwin, because Tom was playing with Phil Woods' quintet at that time, so, um, you know, Bill was uh, kind of producing these, and it's on contemporary records. Okay, so this is uh, Dancing Trees. Thank you. 
Um, that was Dancing Trees um, with Tom Harrell, Cheryl Pyle, and John Abercrombie. And who else did you say was on that, Cheryl? Uh, James Williams on piano. James Williams, okay. i got to type this up for the set list online. <laughs> that was uh, Sail Away, the first um, got the time I got to record with them. And uh, I, was, I was really happy because um, Dave Liebman was on that session, too, on some different tunes. But he had called Tom after we recorded and said, good job. And that really meant a lot to me because, you know, it, I had been listening to his great flute playing for such a long time. Um, so I was really happy that he liked the tune and... Um, and then following all these with with these jazz masters, um, I started my own record label in uh, 95, 96 and recorded um, with the quartet I've been playing with, um, David Phelps on guitar, Stefan Crump on bass, um, who plays now with VJ Iyer and Kurt Driscoll on drums, and we recorded um, and so I did that CD and got that out all on my own in uh, 97. And that's, uh, I don't know if you want to play that tune now. It's called Bebop. Um, we did just flute and drums on that Dizzy Gillespie tune. Um, yeah. And so what, what's the name of your record label? Uh, 11th Street Music, because here oh. I am on 11th Street. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah, that sounds good. Um, so... bebop and so is this a, a tune that you wrote or that it's is just like improvised it's Gillespie it's a oh, it's, jazz standard uh huh okay we kind of rearranged it just for flute and drums um, for this track okay so this is uh, Cheryl Pyle's um, quartet with uh, Dizzy Gillespie's bebop
Um, so we're back with uh, Cheryl on the phone. Can you say something, Cheryl? Sure. Okay, um, good. You. I think we heard Bebop, which was from the first quartet CD I did on my own label in uh, 96-97. And um, that piece was live from the Howling for Jeremy Steig. Um, Jeremy, this great flute player, um, he died in 2016. I had actually met him um, you know, earlier in the 80s. Um, he lived near Washington Square Park, and um, he was pretty much a flute idol of mine. Um, but when he died, and, and he lived in Japan at that in 2016, um, there wasn't too much mention of him. And I said, "Oh gosh, we got to do something." So um, I talked to John Zorn and asked him if we could do a memorial at the Stone, which was still down on uh, East Third Street. And I gathered all the flute players that I knew to play tunes that he had recorded, like Nardis and Outlaws and, you know, different tunes. And um, Cameron Brown came and Roberta Pickett and Jerry Gibbs played drums. And we had a little memorial there for him. So every fall I've been trying to kind of um, do something with the flutists that I know around his birthday in September. Uh-huh. And so that was from one of the concerts we did at the library um, but the live recordings are not that, you know, clear, but thanks for playing it. <laughs> it was uh, it was nice to play some solo music for him. Yeah, yeah, that sounds like a neat idea. Um, yeah, so so did how many flutes were playing on that? Like four or something? Or? Well, that was just me. I mean, we all oh, played that was just solo, you. but yeah, usually about, I would say, 12 to 15 flutists play the concert, and we uh-huh. all play just a short solo piece, but it's just really, it's a nice hang to see all the flutists that I know. Yeah, <laughs> oh, just, yeah, just everybody gets together. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's neat. Um, so, so some of the other stuff that you sent, um, you, we were talking a little bit about how it's um, online music that you've been recording, so yeah. tell us how you've been doing that. After I did the first quartet CD, I mean, I was kind of wondering, you know, what to do. Um, I mean, things were changing. Things are kind of becoming more digital. And um, I finally got a digital recorder in 2008 and started uh, recording with people far, far away. So one of the CD projects I started doing was... um, through uh, a friend of mine in New Jersey, Tony Cimarosi, the bassist that I knew. And he had met a piano player when he played in Russia, um, Stan Z. Is his name Stan Zlinski. And so um, he suggested that we all start recording. So we started sending tracks, and this band kind of grew into a, a huge band um, with... Hans-Peter Salatin on trumpet, he's in Germany. Um, Sean O'Brien Smith on bass, he's in Nashville. Max Ridgway on guitar, he's in Oklahoma. And Laurent Pinels, he's in um, Paris. So we all started, you know, composing and improvising these tracks. And another um, online project I do is with Max Ridgway and Randall Coburn, um, who's a drummer up in Boston. And um, that's a more free jazz trio, and we've done about four CDs together. Um, I have actually met some of the people. Uh, Sean O'Brien Smith came to New York, and we actually 
played a gig, but most of the people I haven't even met yet. So these are online projects. But um, the music is pretty amazing. So it's a new world order, definitely. So do you um, do you actually like play together, like with um, you know, like on your computers with each other, on like a FaceTime or something, or do you do you record tracks and you send them to each other and then figure out how to put them together? Yeah, usually um, with the Kazargan World group, um, usually Stan will have a track, and either I will start it with him with the melody, and I'll send it back to him, and then he'll send it to the trumpet player, or Hans will have a, a melody, and then they'll send it to me, and then they'll add, the, uh, Max will add guitar, and Sean will add the bass, and the drums last. Um, so it's kind of a layering um, oh. project. Um, usually with Max, with the Free Jazz Trio, um, he sends me the guitar and drum track, and I usually lay a flute melody or improvisation over that. So um, it's more a mixing thing than a live recording thing. Oh, yeah. Well, that sounds interesting. Um, I wouldn't have guessed that from listening to it. Um, but So why don't we listen to um, Kazargan world so is no this is from an album called dance of changes is that right yeah that's a more recent one we did in um i think it was 2000 gosh <laughs> I'm trying to remember 2017 and um it's one of stan's uh original ideas and then i added a, a kind of a flute melody over that okay here we go Thank you. 
So that was that was um, abstract on Pluto with one of one of the online projects I do with Axel Weiss. He's a guitar guitarist, pianist, painter in Germany, and um, we've done three CDs actually uh, together. Oh wow! Yeah. And so you've never actually met him in person? I haven't. Um, yeah. That's fun. <laughs> On the first CD we did, um, there was a couple that, um, a singer and trumpet player in Norway that did some tracks with us, and I actually um, was able to play with Arne Horst, the trumpet player, when he came to New York. Um, but I've met a couple of the people, you know, we've done these online projects with, but most of them, um, you know, I haven't met yet. It's all typing. <laughs> It's all typing back and forth. You you don't even like do video chat or anything. <laughs> um, so we we used to talk on Skype, but since Windows 10, I can't get my Skype to work. So yeah, it's mostly been typing lately. Uh huh. That's funny. Um, but it seems very modern, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I like how you have you have so many different um, venues for your music. Yeah. Do you I. I saw in your biography that you, you know, you played a lot of. You come from the classical vein, like you studied classical flute. Is that right? I I did. Yeah. I mean, yeah. when I was studying in in you know seventy two, um, in San Diego, and then seventy four up at UC Berkeley, I mean there wasn't, there weren't a lot of jazz schools. Um, I mean Berkeley and Boston, um, had a jazz program, but it was super expensive in the seventies and. Plus, I was on the West Coast, um, so, you know, I, I really got most of my training and flute lessons and everything um, playing classical music. But, um, you know, at that time in San Francisco, there was really a lot of uh, jazz going on, so I heard a lot of amazing concerts. I mean, Art Ensemble of Chicago played there, um, Ross on Roland Kirk. Everybody was playing at Keystone Corner, and there mm -hmm. were concerts at UC Berkeley too, um, with Hermeto and all the 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 Brazilian influx was coming in at that time. You know, with Flora Purim and Yerto and Hermeto Pascual, and 
it was just like all all these influences were swirling around um, at that time. So um, even though I was working on Bach and Hindemith and you know sonatas for flute, um, I was also you know really listening a lot to Monk and Mingus and you know all the the guys that were a little bit older than me, you know, playing with Horace Silver's band and Art Blakey's band and Dexter Gordon and, you know, just all of that music as well. So, um, you know, I feel like I just, I I really like music that's just, um, I call it kind of the goose pimple factor. Uh-huh. It's just anything that really just, it, it it just inspires you and you just go, wow, you know. And that's kind of what I always went for. So yeah. <laughs> it kind of was a broad spectrum of listening, you know, from Stravinsky to Charlie Parker. Yeah, yeah. It sounds really, I really like how you, um, you know, bring in all the different kinds of music and influences. Um, it, it really, yeah, it makes for a unique sound, you know, you're just uh, finding yourself, I guess, you know, among all that where you uh, fit in and do something unique with it. Um, so um, we're going to go to the top of the hour with Mambo for Ides of March. And I want to thank you um, for coming on the show. And um, so do you want to tell us a little bit about this? I see it's um, Max Ridgway and Randall Colburn, is that right? Yeah, it's yeah. a free jazz trio. It's the online project I've been doing. Um, we've done four CDs so far, and um, we do a lot of improvisations for painters, and um, I've done some poetry for Paul Clay in some of the improvisations. Um, it's kind of fun to explore, and um, Max used to live in Boston, so he knew Randall there, and now he's in Oklahoma, but um, we actually haven't met yet, but we're just working on CD projects. Um, Okay, so um, why don't you stay on the line for a minute and I'll get this music started. Mambo for Ides of March, and uh, thank you again. Thanks, Cindy. Thank you. 